Hello, everyone. This is Todd Harrington from TH Blaze, and you are listening to the Work Forward Podcast. We're back again, and we have a great guest here with me, Todd Harrington. How the heck are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> I don't know. How good are you being all laid up like you are? Yeah, that was my political response right now. Oh, <laughs> just okay, trying. Gotcha, my gotcha. voice is just fine, though. Oh, your voice is fantastic. Just you know, your like ability to walk. to walk to the table, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. So, yeah. yeah, what the heck's going on? What, what, what's the surgery? Yeah, so I just had uh, my surgery on my Achilles, and uh, it oh. just it just really put me down. So that's what all. An, what an absolutely great time to have, you know, your legs literally chopped out from under you. Oh, Goodness. man. Right before, right before the holidays. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing going on right now. There's no, like, Christmas rush. No, right no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> I was bored anyway. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, Todd, let's go ahead and introduce you a little bit more to the world. Uh, go ahead. Where can people find you? Um, so you can find me right here on Instagram. Or I should, shouldn't say right here, but um, Instagram is kind of where I started the whole knife thing. And then, uh, you know, a year later, I did TH Blades. So on Instagram, I'm just Todd Harrington 80. Um, and then my, my website is thblades.com. Uh, Facebook, I'm just Todd Harrington. Um, or if you just Google me, you'll see chef stuff first. It really won't be knives. <laughs> see, that's the big <laughs> thing is you are a really high-end level chef. Ah, get out of here. Oh, come on. I mean, there's a big <laughs> roster of people that you've worked with, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've worked for about five celebrity chefs in my uh, in my time. Well, let's drop some names here. Come on. Yeah, sure. So um, Marcus Samuelson. Um, All right. He, obviously, he's he's a big name. He has like I don't even know right now because he has a lot of kind of subleased properties, but I, I would say upwards of 30 restaurants. Uh, Michel Richard, he died about six years ago. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, you know, God rest, but he uh, uh, he taught me just everything that I, you know, care about in the kitchen. He was just such a big influence for me. And, you know, I've been cooking for 19 years professionally. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, uh, um, Kim Canteen Walla, I work for him right now. Um, you know, he's, he's writing his second book. He's worked in like 42 countries around the world. Um, uh, Mark Buecher, uh, him and I actually, we, we did the, uh, world food competition for three years running. Um, and we got top three every time oh, <clears throat> and wow. that's up, that's up against 50, 50 teams, uh, around the world. It's not just the U S so pretty proud about that. And then, um, we were in Switzerland about three years ago, um, to do the, um, the spotlight on American chefs. And um, I got to be the, you know, the a sous chef for Kim Cantinwala uh, amongst amongst eight featured chefs from the U.S. Uh, kind of not battling it out, but kind of uh, in Switzerland to do a big, big meal together. Um, every chef did at least one course. We did two um, overachievers. And then, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just, you know, being able to travel the world. And this is, you know, what I've always wanted. So now are you I mean. You, you have done some pretty amazing things in the culinary world. Could you pick out like one one or two things that you're absolutely most proud of? Yeah, actually, I'll try to wrap it up in a minute. <laughs> but uh, wait, hold on. Why are we wrapping it up in a minute? We got all well because here. it's it could be it could be a twenty minute uh, story if I wanted it to because it's like I'm here for the it. crowning moment of my culinary career. But anyways, wow. I was, uh... hold on, hold on, <laughs> crowning moment of achievement. Absolutely. You want to oh, say absolutely. it in a minute? Absolutely. Come on, come on. Really? So anyways, I'll tell you. So I was, um, I was a sous chef um, 
And for those guys who don't know what a sous chef is, it's like, you know, you have your head chef that runs the kitchen and then you have your executive sous chef or sometimes what's called a CDC, like a chef de cuisine. And then below that, you have the lowly sous chefs, the sous chefs that are there for 14 hours a day. You know, they open, sometimes open and close. You know, you always have keys. You always have, you know, the number one responsibility. Everything falls on you first. Shit rolls downhill. So you're the first guy to, you'll be in the dish pit. You'll be, you know, running service. You'll be cooking online, whatever, whatever, you know, to get the job done. So you're, and, you're the guys who say yes chef a lot that's right that is right when you hear it i mean it comes from cooks but it definitely comes from the sous chefs um so anyways we're the guys that are aspiring to be that guy running the kitchen right and so uh my first sous chef job was when i was uh, 18 and i was way too young for it but my grandmother was a chef and my mother's a a pastry chef so it kind of made sense um and you know i kind of grew up in the restaurant so um fast forward to las vegas um Oh, I have a Vegas story too, funny, of why I moved to Vegas. But fast forward to Vegas, and I was a sous chef at um, Caesar's Palace. And, uh, you know, I dropped his name earlier, um, Michel Richard, which is like the top five French chefs in the world of all time. Uh, He had walked into our restaurant. And at the time, um, there was a chef who I I deeply respect. His name's Costa. He was actually the executive chef of of the current restaurant that I was in. Um, But he had left... Um, to go um, to another to go out of state. So when that happens um, here in Las Vegas, they're big on slavery. So they made me acting executive chef, which means you don't get a pay raise. You get all these empty promises, and you're, you know you're you're chasing a a carrot on a fishing pole. Gotcha. Um, and so I was chasing that carrot for like four months, right? And so I'm just running the kitchen without the pay, um, and. Michelle Richard just comes in and somebody says to me, they were like, um, Michelle Richard is at the front door. And I'm like, mm. what? And right when they said that, I couldn't prepare nothing. Like we just got our asses kicked for brunch. Um, and the kitchen was not in the state it should have been in. And I think I had a call out and I had a, uh, a cook that had um, just left for his uh, break or whatever it is. When you work when you work in the union, union employees, they just do whatever the hell they want. Right. <laughs> And so they left for his break and I jumped on the line to um, make omelets and, and eggs, right? And Michelle comes in and he sees me cooking on the line and he says, where's the chef? And I go, well, you're looking at him, chef. And he's like, oh, so you, you cook eggs? And I go, well, I do when, when I don't have cooks. <laughs> so uh, him and I just started talking and, you know, we talked for, I, I swear, Brian, we talked for 20 seconds, right? And at the end of that 20 seconds of him just like barely nonchalantly getting to know me, he was like, maybe one day you'll work for me. Mm. And, you know, that kind of stuck in my head. And then he left. Um, He was looking around the kitchen, which I felt was very odd, right? And so he left. And then I get a call from the executive chef of the hotel. Now, this is the big guy. His name's Charles. He, uh, He called me. He's like, hey, can you come down to my office? So I, I went down. This guy's in charge of like 32 restaurants. Like he's okay. like the man of all men, right? And he calls sure. me into his office and he's like, hey, Todd, um, I just want to let you know, I don't want you to be worried about your job, but Michelle was in your restaurant today. I go, I, I know, I talked to him. And he goes, um, I just want you to know that he's looking into buying it. So oh. yeah, he goes, you know what would be a cool idea is if you became his executive chef. And I, and you know, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, I've worked for you for like six years and you, you haven't made me an executive chef, but yet you want me to be an executive chef for a, a, like a God, <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, I went home that day and I was newly married, Brian. I was married for probably, 
five months. I mean, I was oh, wow. newly married, right? Sure. And um, so, you know, you know, you, you, I mean, you're getting married, you, you, you will know, but I mean, like, you think you know, but you, you know, things change, right? So, <laughs> you know, four or five months in, I go home, and I'm just like, on on a, a, a trip, you know, I said, to my yeah. wife, I go, Hey, I think I have to fly to Washington, DC, because that's where he's based out of I go, I think I have to fly to Washington, DC. And, you know, you know, profess that I want this job and, you know, maybe do a tasting or stage at his restaurant. Staging is when you go in and you kind of try out at a restaurant, right? Okay. And so, uh, and she just, it was our very first fight ever. Um, oh, wow. You know, and, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a new husband. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an up-and-coming chef. And, you know, I took that very personally. And I, I said, I remember having this argument. And, I, and I had, I'm at the computer. And in the middle of the argument, I clicked the mouse like, like you would see in the movies. And I'm like, ticket is bought. Mm. <laughs> like, like, I did wow. not care. I'm like, you really? You want to you wanna, you wanna go on this? I'm like, I'm leaving, right? And um, so anyways, it's been longer than a minute. Obviously, it's very hard. I flew to DC um, the net like three days later because I just wanted it to be fresh in his head when he saw me. Sure. And when I got there, the maitre d, um, he told me he goes, "Yeah, Michelle is you know he's very busy. Obviously, he has multiple restaurants here in DC. He's like, but he always swings by every day. He can come anytime as early as nine, ten o'clock in the morning, or he can come at five, six, seven o'clock at night." So mm. I stood there in DC in the summer in a suit for about four hours until Michelle actually walked up to the back door. Wait, hold on. You stood like at yep. that spot. You didn't, you didn't That's go right. and sit down at nope. anywhere. You just stood there like a statue at That's the right. spot. Like I, like I was a, Johnny like I was spot. a bellman. <laughs> like right. I was, a, I just spot. didn't, I didn't want doing. him to come in. I didn't want him to come in and see me like lounging on a chair or sitting there eating a burger or something. You know what I mean? I wanted to be as presentable as possible. And I wanted him to see that, like, I, I just have grit, you know? So I stood there sure. for forever until he finally rolled up in his imported, I'll never forget. It's like an imported Volkswagen. It's like, I don't even know. This thing is like, it's like a Jetta, but like on the inside, it's like a Maybach. It's insane. So oh, he, had, anyways, he right. rolls up in this thing. It was imported, right? So he rolls up in this thing and I finally, and I tell him and he recognized me and everything, which was crazy. Um, and he said, sure. He, he said, when do you go back home? I said, three days. I gave myself time in case you wanted me to, to, to stage or whatever. And he goes, okay, how about this? You stage tonight and then, you know, try out. And then in the next two days, I want you to create a tasting and then, um, we'll do a tasting in three days before you leave. And Yo. I did, I did a 12 course tasting knocked it out of the freaking park and then i flew home with an offer letter for three times my pay and Yo! I, yep yep and i remember getting on... that down on the table i'm like <laughs> what do you think of that wife that's exactly what i did man and i don't like to rub anyone's noses but bro like that was like the biggest like break your uh. cock over the table moment <laughs> <laughs> So, oh you know, yeah, goodness. I was pretty, I was, I was alive right there. I was alive. So tell us about this tasting because obviously you had to come up with it on the spot. You, I, I assume being at this level of restaurant, you can have the pick of whatever you want. So what oh, yeah. went into this tasting? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I, I bought his book, which was called happy in the kitchen. Um, I actually bought it from the hostess stand. This was all like ad libbed. And, oh uh, yeah. And I, I wanted to do his recipes for half the tasting. I wanted to do my recipes for the other half of the tastings to show him that I'm able to, to do his food. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I did, uh, like two crudite type dishes in the beginning, um, a couple now, hors d'oeuvres. Let's, let's dumb it down for 
for the people like me? What what is a crudite? Oh, <laughs> sorry. It's uh, just a cold vegetable. It's not cooked. Um, you know, it's prepared very very simple. Um, okay. But it's meant to just kind of be a, a light start to your meal. A pellet, um, like cleanse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could, it could just be like a dressed, like like a cold carrot soup, um, you know. But I wanted to do a couple items like that, so I did a a cold, uh, like a split, a cold split pea soup. Um, I did a. Oh my God, this was now, mind you, you got to give me a, a break here. This is 13 years ago. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. Um, what else did I do? Um, I did two desserts, which was like insane um, because I'm a savory chef. And even though you have to, Michel Richard is known for his sweets. So I had to do um, two desserts. Wait a second. Hold on. Are you doing this chronologically? You did you did a split pea soup and then two desserts? No, I'm just trying to oh, okay. remember. I know I did. <laughs> I was gonna I, say this is this is a wild like trip you're taking. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't I can't give you the exact order. Everything okay, was in. That's all right. Um, I did his uh, since I staged there the first day. He did a version which was amazing of um, an onion tart. Um, so I did a small version of that. Um, what else did I do? I think I did a, I, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I did a salmon tartare. I did a, oh, a mini crab cake. I did a braised short rib. Cause the thing is, is you get the whole second day I was there, you get the entire day, which is like 18 hours in a kitchen. I, I got 18 hours in the kitchen to cook whatever, as long as I needed. Now, was this just you or did you have a team behind you? Oh, it was just me. And not oh, only that, but yeah. it was during service and everything. So I was oh, like, hell yeah. I was like, hey, when are you done using that oven? <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. That's, but I'm that's telling you, man, that's when I crazy. finished, I was like, it was like a marathon. You know what I mean? Like cooking at home is one thing, but like in a professional kitchen like that. And plus there was like, everything was at stake. You know, I spent like 600 bucks to be there and, and I was not rich by any stretch of the imagination i was I, I was in no business i had no business buying a plane ticket for six hundred dollars and my wife you know that was the main reason you know oh, but gotcha, uh, gotcha. but you know I, I i anytime there's an argument about me going to a new job or me thinking hey we should do this i always go don't forget dc <laughs> You better, you better trust me <laughs> man you can't just pull out that card for nothing though like, <laughs> oh no 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 it's only for big a... things that's that's a uh, you know, we're we're laying the sl- smackdown on this conversation. <laughs> Remember DC, <laughs> exactly. Goodness. So, you you do this amazing job. You really you you know, take it to the next level. You earn your position. Do you then have to move to DC to get this thing going, or was that no? That yeah. was that was back in in Vegas, correct? Yeah, but I did have to um, temporarily move to DC. My daughter was then just born, so my daughter okay. was uh, four months old, and this was us preparing to bring the restaurant to Las Vegas. That was that was a whole reason. Um, gotcha, so, gotcha. So I had to go out, and I I was in DC about seven months on and off. Uh, there was some long stretches there, um, which I worked at a restaurant called Citronelle, which was the number one restaurant in America, um, not at the time, but uh, they had won that award a few years prior. So it was yeah. just such an amazing opportunity to be at, at, at you know, this James Beard award-winning, like constantly award-winning chef and just learning everything. I was like a sponge, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. You don't yeah, know I what mean, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because like you, you don't realize it, it's amazing to me that you're able to, at such a young age, go from, you know, relative, I mean, you've been cooking for a while at that point, but to just be dropped into the top of the top of the top. Yeah. Oh, amazing. man. Tell me about it. Tell me yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, 
when those opportunities arise, you have to just jump at it with both feet forward. Absolutely, man. And I, I've, I've taken that, uh, that way of thinking for a long time now, especially since that worked out so well. And it's, uh, it's worked, especially so, now with knife making, because that's a totally different route, you know? It is, absolutely is. And, you know, maybe this is a good transition because when you look at your Instagram feed, if you go back far enough, it's all, you know, high, high-end high cookery. It's all really mm-hmm. amazing, well-done, you know, food and whatnot. And then there's like a little mini transition per- uh, period. Yep. And then you hit this little Kiridashi on a, it looks like a 2 by 72 Was that your first ever knife? Um, Yeah. Um, yeah. that, that little, that little knife was my very first, like, Hey, I'm going to try and make a knife on my weekend. And, uh, so what is. the hell? So hold on, let's, let's get back into your mindset because at that point you are a high end chef. You're, you've cooked at the best of the best, you know, I'm not sure where you're at in the time period, but like what in the world made you think, you know what? I just need to make a knife. Dude. So like five years ago, and, and I think I'm right on the money when I say five, um, you know, Anthony Bourdain is such a huge influence on chefs. Right. And he did this program, which I don't necessarily think it aired on like a big, uh, like you'll never find it on like Amazon Prime or whatever. But it was like on YouTube and you can find it now where he toured Bob Kramer's um, knife shop. I don't I don't mm-hmm. remember. I mean, th- now this is before Bob Kramer, not before he was big, but like on the cusp of him before like he started um, having everyone else do his knives, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was still touching metal all every day. Um, so to watch that, it was, I mean, he took a meteorite and made a knife right there for Anthony Bourdain and handed it to him at the end. Like that was like the most, I mean, I, I hate to sound corny, but that was like the most magical thing I could ever see. You know, I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I've always like thought like, Oh, it'd be cool to make a knife one day, you know, just for the hell of it. Um, but yeah, Bob Kramer, that episode with Anthony Bourdain was the the sole reason I, I started really, really looking into it on YouTube. And, you know, I, I I started following everybody. I just, anybody who had a knife in their hand, I don't care. They, they could have been a shoemaker. If they had a knife in their hand, I followed them. There it is. There it is. And you just fell into the rabbit hole. I did. I really did. And I started messaging guys like you. I, I messaged uh, <laughs> uh, Pickle. I messaged Jason Harwell. And now, I messaged Pickle on. like right right when he started getting like big, big, you know? Now, hold on. You can't say the word Bob Kramer and then the next sentence say me. You got you to gotta put a <laughs> lot of distance between those two right there. Come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but, you know, for me to reach out to you guys was intimidating enough because I haven't, you know, really made a knife, you know? You can't really, you know, it's like the cooking world, you know? Someone just like walks up to you like, I want to be a chef. You're like, yeah, cool, kid. You know, I want to be an astronaut, <laughs> right? See, I feel like that's, that might, maybe you can, you can shed some light on this. It seems... From, you know, obviously from my own experience, the knife making world, we're all like, you know, almost like a giant brotherhood that we all want to help each other. And it seems like the opposite end of that is the cooking world where everyone wants to, you know, mash you down so that you can keep your your rung on your ladder, you know, to yourself. You know, you, did um, you find that or did you find that, you know, even in the cooking world, people want to bring each other up? I'll tell you, you know what, that's very well said. The cooking world, there's a lot of, um, you know, like the movie Mean Girls, right? <laughs> cooking world, <laughs> you know, you work so hard to get what you have. Um, and then a lot of chefs, I I, I will for sure say I, I do not do this. But a lot of chefs, they, they get insecure thinking that someone's going to take their position or, you know, 
you know, we were all recognized at some point um, in order to get where we are. And it, that's all it takes sometimes is just that little recognition while you're doing the right thing, you know, at the right moment in front of the right people. Um, because everyone's in the kitchens working to get the food out and to get it done properly, et cetera. But it's just that little extra touch that you do to make it better that, you know, and here we are talking about cooking again. Um, oh, well, yeah, but when it comes I mean, to I... knife making, I mean, everybody, and I'll tell you just when my surgery, I just had my surgery less than 20, you know, what, 36 hours ago. Um, I've had half the knife making community that I follow and talk to reach out to me like, Hey, are you okay? How was your surgery? Like, dude, that is amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got guys that I've been cooking with for almost 20 years here in Las Vegas. I've been here 18 years and I've had just a handful of people like, hey, hope your surgery went well. Like I just met all these knife making guys and they're just they, they're genuinely like, hey, you know, are, are you going to be making knives anytime soon? You know, it's just really cool. Really, really cool. It is a brotherhood for sure. Yeah. And that's that's what I love so much about the knife making community for sure. So. Speaking about your surgery, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit more of like, yeah, I mean, what, what the hell's going on with that situation? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I work on my feet all, all the time, my whole life. And so I've kind of, you know, beaten myself up. My body is, is just, uh, deteriorating. I'm, I'm hitting 40 and, uh, you know, my Achilles ruptured, um, three years ago, my left Oof. one. Yeah, but it was a small one. I, and they, they injected steroids into it, which is like the last course of action they want to do. But it's the quickest, right? So I chose that and it worked. Um, and now my right one split and it split bad. So um, they actually had to go in and um, cut it, split it down the center. Um, <laughs> so that happened. Uh, so now I'm, I'm just on a scooter, one of those knee scooters to get around. You know, and, and when I say get around, it's to go to the bathroom. I live on the couch uh, for three weeks now. How does that feel after being on your feet for so long and then knife, you know, on your part-time knife making, which again is all on your feet all the time, physically yeah. strenuous. Ha when's the last time you've been this much on the couch? Never. I'm, I'm like a super busy body, man. I can't, my, my wife will tell you too, like, so, I mean, I'll, I work a lot of six day weeks and I'll have one day off and I don't rest. I don't sit. I just go out in my shop and I'm making knives for 13, 14 hours and then I'll come in and, you know make lunch and then I'll go back out there again and come in, make dinner and I go back out there again till like two, three in the morning. So, so that's you a long find, day. Do you find this rest period actually relaxing or do you find it like the most frustrating thing you've ever done? I hate it. <laughs> I've been, I've been trolling knives and it's just like, you know, like different shapes of handles. And, you know, I will tell you though, actually, um, that I just got a knife from Neil Warren, uh, from Maximus Knives mm -hmm. and his handle work is absolutely insane and it just crazy inspired me and that's kind of the what i wanted to do because i'm i'm making like a, a maker set where i i order one knife from like the first five six guys that helped me when i first got into the game and you know gotcha. they helped me with things like the heat treat and like how mm. to how to buy this and you know how to hook up my v my uh vfd and you know like little things like that where it's like you don't have to help me you know what i mean but they did and that's what kind of like the whole brotherhood thing that you say um but yeah neil warren i mean i got it I can go down the list. Actually, my first knife I bought was from uh, Jason Harwell. Um, nice. I haven't got it yet because he's busy doing tractor stuff. <laughs> but um, Pickle, um, he's making me a cleaver. Um, like I said, I just got it from Neil Warren. Um, and then I have, um, um, who else, who else, who else? Oh, yeah, Josh Fisher, who I met at Blade. Nice. Um, Actually, uh, we stayed in the same house, uh, yes, right? I believe that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Josh Fisher. Um, 
Yeah, so those are the guys right now, five guys. And I don't want to leave anyone out because there's been a lot of people, including yourself, that have helped me, um, you know, but it, it, in order to make a, a maker set, like it would be so, so not only expensive, but it would it'd just be very, very hard to include everybody that's giving me tips and stuff. I actually, Jeff Fader just won um, Best Serrated Knife. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. And, I did uh, see that. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to buy a freaking Jeff Fader serrated knife. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's another one on my bucket list for sure. But so with this maker set, are you having like one person makes the chef knife, one person makes yes. the pairing knife? Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So I have um, I have Jason Harwell of all people, which is so funny. Uh, no, no, no slight to you, Jason, but um, he's making me a chicken knife, a Japanese chicken knife. And when it's so funny, you know, Jason's a country man. So I'm right, like, right. I want a Japanese chicken knife. And I and he's like, what what is that? Right. <laughs> so I sent him a picture and a drawing and, you know, the, the initial shape and then tell him I went right handed beveled and things like that. And, you know, you know, it, it'll come out. I, I know he yeah. actually on one of his final podcasts, because remember, he just handed it to uh, right. Ryan yeah. Coakley. Uh, one of his last podcasts, he was like, I don't want to say the name, but I just ruined a knife. And then I, t- I messaged him and he's like, I'm like, is that my knife? He's like, yes. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> so he had to start Damn it over, it. but it's fine. It's fine. I'll oh, wait. Okay. I'll wait forever. It's cool. It'll be worth the wait for sure, for sure. Yeah. So speaking, we were talking about Blade Show a little bit. We were able to actually all sleep under the same roof because Neil from Maximus Knives kind of got everyone together in an Airbnb situation. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was absolutely crazy. So how was Blade Show from your perspective? So it was the second Blade Show I went to. Um, the first one was, was Blade Show West, which was in Long Beach at the time. Um, and I was, and you know, the first one, it was kind of like just the tip, right? It was much smaller. And I'm from Vegas where like conventions are massive. They, they right. stretch from buildings to buildings to buildings. They're like miles long. Um, so it was a tiny one. Uh, it was cool because I got to buy some some things that I couldn't necessarily buy, like by, you know, feel it, touch it, all that. Right. Um, and then plus I could drive there. It was like a five-hour drive. Nice. Um, but yeah, Blade Show, like the Blade Show was over the top. I, I loved everything. It was just like sensory overload. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I felt like I felt very out of place because, mm. you know, no one knows who I am. I'm just, you know, a stupid chef in this like big thing where all these like manly guys are hitting shit with a hammer. And I'm just like, hey, <laughs> I, I cook for a living, but I want to try this. Um, so, you know, I, I saw a lot of big guys. Um, Andreas Kalani was the second time I met him. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I walked around. I saw a lot of people that I was just too you know intimidated to even say hi to um most of the time i just kind of kept to myself um you know it's like i I was just super humbled you know what i mean like you think you make a good knife and then you go to blade show (laughs) come on dude yeah yeah for sure there's (laughs) there's definitely a culture shock there's definitely a oh my gosh especially when you're working in your own shop all the time you you make your best thing and then the next next knife is the best thing you've ever made and then the next knife is even better and you start to think like, oh man, I feel like I'm an actual, like I'm doing really well at my craft and I'm, you know, making some big, you know, big high-end stuff. And then you go to Blade Show and you realize, oh no, I'm a very small fish in yeah. the ocean. Yeah. And you know, you know, what's so <laughs> funny about that. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just having that conversation with somebody, um, someone who bought like my first 20 knives off me. I forget which, you know, which Yo. one it was. Right. But they were just like, hey, you know, I see the knives you're making now. And look, like. I get it. You know what I mean? I also sold that knife to him for like a hundred dollars, you know, sure, sure. but like, you know, I, I'm like, Hey, could you do me a favor and bring it to me? 
And so I, I bought it off of them. And I oh, said, really? let me, wow. yeah. And I'm like, let me make you, you know, the, the version three of this, you know right. what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm remaking his knife for him. Um, just because, you know, you reach out to me and you see the stuff I'm doing now and you see the stuff I originally, like, you know, if you're holding a, a knife that weighs 14 fucking pounds and it's an eight, <laughs> it's an eight inch <laughs> knife. I'm like, okay, Todd, Todd did something wrong. So, you know what I mean? Like my first 10 knives were just not, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. they were worth a hundred bucks, you know, because they were just like, oh, it's a sentiment thing. Like, you know me and I'm a chef and we work together and it's kind of cool to have a knife that I made, but you know, like, does it have longevity? Absolutely not. No. So that's why I'm like, you know, I want to make things right. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm in the process of doing right now. My, my knives are much, much lighter. They're thinner. And, you know, I mean, I talked to the right guys about it. I mean, you know, Pickle kind of, you know, gave me shit a couple times. Like, hey, man, like, you know, he would reach out to me. I'd be on a live or something. And, you know, Nick would be like, hey, um, your burner you were just wasting so much propane. I just want to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that. Or he's just like, is, is that knife finished? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, it's, these guys are the ones that help me. So I feel like pickle is just one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's not bringing it up to make fun of you or no. he's genuinely like, that is his version of like, Hey, by the way, you should try this. Not that dude. Totally. It's, it's, Totally. I mean, he, he's, it. yeah, my, like my belt, my belt wasn't tracking properly on my two by 72. Um, and he, you know, he, he gave me the old, uh, electric tape trick and I'm like, holy shit. You know, it's like little <laughs> things like that, you know? Yeah. Game changers for sure. For Big sure. Time. Yeah. So let's go back. You were talking a little bit. You said you had a Vegas story about moving to Vegas. Oh my God. Yeah. I was a freaking criminal what yeah Todd yeah. Harrington the criminal I just can't imagine it <laughs> so um I were, I'm from Pennsylvania I'm from Philadelphia originally and um um I didn't have the most uh you know conventional uh normal upbringing let's just say that but when All I right. graduated from from high school I worked at this hardware store and I was okay. 18 years old uh, it was called true value hardware and um I had worked there for about two and a half years while I was in school in high school and, um, you know, I don't know if they're just really trusting or if they're stupid or just naive, but they were like, hey, Todd, um, we want to make you the assistant general manager and we want to send you to Las Vegas to this convention for true value. And I'm just like, what? That's awesome. Oh, my God, dude. The second I landed in Vegas, I ran through the convention. I grabbed every pamphlet I could be to prove that I was there. And then uh -huh. I just went off to Vegas. I'm like, I'm like applying for jobs. It was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I want to move to Las Vegas. I was totally like just infatuated with the fact that Las Vegas was like the biggest thing I had ever seen. Because, you know, I grew up in like, you know, uh, Amish country, basically. Oh, I, I grew up you. on like a nine and a half acre farm. And, uh, and I, I was not used to this. It was just like so many casinos and just, you know, there's women everywhere. I'm just like, I need to be here. Right. So, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> so yeah so imagine. i moved there I, I literally right like two weeks after i graduated from college i i immediately drove to las vegas to live and with no i went there with no house no nothing like i just uh i went there with like four i'm sorry twenty four hundred dollars in my pocket and uh, okay. stayed in hotel like motels until i could find an apartment and a job that is that is like i feel like the quintessential like american dream style you know, um, um, 
I just have a dream to live in this location. I'm going to pack up everything I have. All the money in my bank is now in my pocket, and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, man. I, I slept on the floor for like six months until I actually bought a bed. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but at Blade Show, you literally just slept on the floor. Is that like yeah. a regular thing for you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good for your back. No, no. I just, uh, you know, I I was just very lucky and, and happy that Neil, you know, was so accommodating. And I mean, it was really cool for him to rent the house for everybody. It's not like some little apartment. It was a house house. So it was nice. We literally like tried to make you like a little makeshift bed on the ground. You're like, no, no, I just want to sleep on the hardwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a rough night. It was a rough All night, right. for sure. Oh, well. I wasn't comfortable, but hey, it made it happen. So back to when you first moved to Vegas, I, obviously you didn't you didn't go from a motel to this high schwanky cookery situation. So like, what was what was that intermediary job situation that that brought you to where you wanted to be? Jesus, I love that you even said this. Um, so I would, I uh, you know, I I was in Pennsylvania as a sous chef. Um, right. an, an, an undeserving sous chef. And, I, and what I mean by that is that I was 18 at the time when I became my first sous chef position. And no 18 year old should be a sous chef, you know, just because you grew up in kitchens, it doesn't mean, you know, it's just like this power trip, right? So I was the wrong person, 100%. I mean, I was very good at, at cooking, but I had no idea how to manage other people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I went to Vegas, I had this whole like vision of like, I'm already a chef, Vegas, like, yeah, <laughs> like you know what I mean. So I went to I went to casino after casino, and I you had to apply online. And this is like the cusp of when like you had to start applying online. You couldn't like go and like say, hey, I want to work here. You can't do that anymore. So sure, you know, it was back in '05. <clears throat> and so um, I work. I started working. I applied at this little place called, and everybody in Vegas that's listening is gonna laugh, um, called the Pepper Mill. And the pepper mill, huh? Yeah, it was like fire and lounge, something like that, right? And it's actually it's 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 on the strip, um, and it's known for like the amount of hookers that are there. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> twenty four hours. Like there's there's eight hundred thousand menu items on the menu, um, and so I was there. I I swear, Brian, I was there for one shift, right? Oh God! No, no, I was there for one shift, and about. Three, four hours into my shift, I get a phone call from a local Vegas number on my phone, and I answer it, and it's the executive chef, or executive sous chef, one or the other, of the Stratosphere, which is that huge needle in the middle of Las Vegas. Right, okay. Um, and they were like, we want to bring you in for an interview, and they go, when can you come in? And I go, right now. now. Yes. <laughs> and so I went up to the mat. This is the story, right? So I went up to Still the Still got the like the hooker glitter on you Dude, just from oh walking through. Oh my god. Oh my god, right? <laughs> get 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 ready cuz I'm about to get really humble here, right? Oh, so shit. I I walked oh, up to the GM and I go, "Look, um I I I can't work here anymore. I really don't like it. It's not for me. I just got to I just got to call to go to an interview. I'm just going to go to that interview." Um thank you. Um and he was just like, "We'll cut you a check, all that." And so he cut me cut me some check for like Forty dollars, and then I left. Right, <laughs> okay. dude. I needed that forty dollars. Trust me. So that I go, I go to the stratosphere. Like less than twenty minutes later, I go up to interview, and they shoot me down so <gasps> hard. And not only shoot me down, they like demean me. They're like, "You are not even close to being a sous chef here in Las Vegas. You are not ready. You do not have the experience with the union. You have not worked in these big 
kitchens. You're from some little, you know, you know, without saying it like that, they're like, you're from some little town I've never heard of in Pennsylvania cooking, whatever the hell you were cooking. Absolutely not. You cannot be an executive chef here, or I'm sorry, a sous chef here. And so that really killed me. Mm. But I, I, I went home and, and within like 72 hours, I got a call from uh, Treasure Island, which is another big casino or not anymore, but it was at the time. And uh, they called me in for an interview for sous chef. And by then I was extremely humble. And um, I told him, I said, look, I, I get I get it. I don't have the union. I mean, I utilized that first crash interview for this one. And I said, you know, I, I know that I don't have the experience here in Vegas. I don't have the experience with the union. However, um, you know, I'm willing to to tough it out and be a cook here. Um, and then hopefully you can, you know, reevaluate, reevaluate me in, you know, whatever time. And then maybe you can make me a sous chef. And, and I will never forget um, the chef. His name's uh, Craig Taylor, very, very known here in town. He goes, Todd, I will reevaluate you in a year, but you okay. must put in a year as a cook, right? Okay. Brian, in three months, I was a chef. Yo. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's only because like in that, that kind of like the whole integrity thing is doing the right thing at the right time in front of the right person. It's just like, you know, it's anybody can be a chef as long as you just keep doing the right thing, you know? And I was so hungry. And I remember I put up like this stupid French toast dish. I shit you not. And the exec and the executive <laughs> chef was like on his way out. So he did not care. Um, so I pushed a plate up. And I remember Craig, the, the big guy, walking through the kitchen, and he looked at the plate, and he goes to the chef. He goes, oh, are we plating it like this now? Uh. And, and the chef was like, oh, no, that's just how Todd plates it. And, the, and Chef Craig was like, Todd, are you the only one who plates it like this? And I go, absolutely. And he's like, I want every plate to come up like this. Yo, and right nice. there, and right there, he... Uh, he, he put that's that's what kind of like put that little ticker on in his brain like all right todd's the next guy to come up man all the way through that little story i was just had like the rocky theme song in the back of my mind <laughs> bomb bomb buck -up -bomb, buck -up -bomb, oh buck -up -bomb. yeah no that's, i mean you know i have some cool stories but uh that, that 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 means a lot to me actually craig still him and i still keep in touch and and he comes to all of our restaurants to say hi to me as well that's awesome that's awesome so, I mean, that must have just felt like you were over the moon, like, oh my gosh, I, I made it here in such a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, he made me the, uh, the assistant chef of the steakhouse from that point on, and, um, you know, it's, it's been going up from there. There it is, there it is. Yeah. So you, you took that small job, you, you moved into, you know, uh, just a lowly cook, you proved yourself, you went above and beyond, you worked a little bit extra hard, and you got it. So I know that at this point you are now like opening restaurants. So where, what happened between, you know, being, you know, okay, now I went from the lowly cook to the sous chef, chef, you know, now you're, now you're on to like opening stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, when I worked How for did... Michelle, I, I did a lot of, uh, TV. I did a lot of local TV, but I did a lot of national TV. Um, okay. I, I did a lot of battles here in town. So I became, I came a little more known, um, and there was a time where I was uh, five and zero, oh, where I just could not be defeated, um, until it got televised on air, and then I lost, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I became I came really really well known for um, opening restaurants for whether it be Michelle or or one of Michelle's friends. I would go and help with the opening. We had three openings in um, Atlanta. Uh, I'm sorry, not oh my god, what am I saying? Atlantis uh, gotcha. in Jersey. Um, gotcha. And then we had three openings in New York. Um, we had one opening in Tyson's Corner in um, 
in uh, Virginia. Um, so, you know, it was just opening after opening. Um, so that's kind of what I started to like. I started liking going in, opening restaurants, the rush of opening a brand new restaurant, the romance of like everybody like, I got to try this restaurant. Um, and then you leave, you know, it's kind of cool. <laughs> No, it's no, like no, the, yeah. It's like the first couple months of a relationship, and then you move on to the next one. <laughs> Dude, totally, right? It's like college all over again. Um, hey! <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought it was uh, it was a really cool thing, and uh, and look at me now. I'm still doing it, you know? And we go in, and we, we kind of – it's kind of cool, right? Because before we open a restaurant, it's literally our job to go <clears> – excuse me. I had a big tube down my throat for – I don't even you're know. You're good. Hey, 40 minutes. you're just done with surgery. You can um and ah, you can, you know, hawk your loogie if you have to. Oh, no my God. Deal. We're, all, we're all here for it. <laughs> um, so, no. So, um, obviously, um, opening all those restaurants and all that kind of led me to this. But, like, when you open a restaurant in a new city, it's literally your job to go and eat at all the competing restaurants and oh, I swear, no. like, what a terrible job. You oh, there, no, but. but it is, though. But it is like you got to. <laughs> and I know everyone's going to start rolling their eyes. But like, you got to take pictures of everything. You got to like document everything, what you think was in the dish, things like that. Like you got to. Sure. It's it's more important than just enjoying it. Um, and you're certainly not picking it apart and saying what you would do better, et cetera. You just, you know, you want to see what's working and you want to see what makes sense to the locals because um, we just opened up a restaurant in Nashville, which, you know, mm -hmm. because I wanted to hire your brother. <laughs> I tried. He actually has just moved back up to to uh, Michigan. So no way. He's, okay, he's, good for him. He's out of it for now, but you know it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I remember it was like uh, he was kind of he was not hiatus, but he was kind of in the middle of it. You know. Yeah, he had a rough go for sure, but yeah. So I guess opening up a restaurant and doing all this research of what what type of I imagine you're going to check out all of these different places to see. Okay, well, what's the niche we can fill? Is that the case, or are you just like, okay, this is what they're doing. Let's do it better than them and put them out of business. Yeah, you know, no, not that. Never that. Um, okay, okay. Never, never, never that. Um, it's not like that. I mean, that's like big um, big store brands like Walmart and Target. They, they do that, but not, little, not restaurants, especially single-walled restaurants. We want to all kind of, you know, cohesively live and, you know, essentially, too, we're an organism that's in, you know, with cooks. Um, some people might know this, but... Um, Cooks don't get paid very well. Um, it's just what the nature of the business is. I mean, it's gone up a little bit in the past 15, 20 years, but nothing, they don't get what they deserve, right? And sure. a lot of them work two jobs, sometimes three. And so the only way that you can be cohesive in a whole new city working around, you know, all these other restaurants is you're bound to hire all your neighbors cooks too you know they're working your job and they're going right there afterwards or vice versa and you have to be friends you know there's gotcha. no such thing as you know i'm oh we're gonna put him out of it no that's never the thought at all there, there there's a little trash talk because they see a new guy coming on the block and they're like you want to work for them let's and they and, and since i'm the new newcomer they come over to us and they're like okay let's try this you know let's see if this is good enough you know things like that that's what i mean about the whole mean girls thing you'll see a chef walk in like send this away <laughs> gotcha gotcha so you are you still in vegas is that still the situation yeah i'm based out of vegas okay yeah, so i know is. we were talking about before about trying to set up a knife shop in your little situation in vegas there's there's a little bit of there's i imagine it's probably rough to you know live amongst so many people and try to you know 
hammer on knives or throw throw a grinder in a garage and make it happen. I know. You know, Vegas is very, very concentrated and it's expanding greatly. And we built our house here about five and a half years ago. And um, in those five years, I've become very good friends with majority of my neighbors. Um, and, you know, they, they totally see what I'm doing and know what I'm doing. Um, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll go into all hours of the night, but I kind of soundproofed my garage as best as I can. The only thing gotcha. I don't do is like, I don't, I, I'm not on the anvil stamping or anything at night. I'll, I'll do that during the day. That's nice. That's very courteous of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're Have cool, you ever though. had any sort of friction with, or do you just like, okay, well, here's a, here's a free knife now, you know, shut up about it. <laughs> no, you know, I, I haven't, uh, the only friction I've had is when I, I have, you know, a neighbor come up to me and is like, I heard you make knives. Um, could you make my husband a knife? And I'm like, no offense. Um, I, I really don't think that you would be happy with a high carbon knife. So I, oh. I, you know, that's all I do right now. I mean, I, I, I have built my shop like more than, more than anything in the past two years. It's, it's completely decked out. The only thing I don't have is like a press and a power hammer, but I have literally every other tool I could possibly need. Um, so it's pretty cramped now. I have everything. I just actually just got my Vandersander last week. There it is. There it is. Um, you know, totally, you know, above and beyond what I need, but it's definitely something I wanted for a long, long time. Tell us the first impressions on that Vandersander. It's I know all I've heard is super positive things about it. It's quality, man. I mean, it's well thought through. Um, you know, obviously these uh, Richard Beck and Mark Vanderwerf got together and and made it right. I think the original from Mark Vanderwerf was very different. I don't think it was as adjustable as this one is. This thing is like a freaking jet engine. I can move it any way I want, <laughs> like like an F sixteen. Like you want to go directly up, I'll do that. You know, it's pretty cool. Really, really cool. And I, and you know, it sucks is I built it the day before my surgery. Um, so now I have to sit here and look at it for three weeks before I can actually play. Wait a second. So you built it and you haven't even been able to use it yet? No, man. Oh, no. <laughs> nope. Well, nope. then how do you envision it, you know, working into your workshop? Like what, what do you think is going to be the main use for it? Oh, God. Um, I want to say, um, you know, it's funny. And actually... Who said this? I think it might have been, um, what is his name? Don Wynn, uh, oh. down in Arizona. Yeah. He, I think he said that there, and it might have even been Richard Beck in one of his videos because I've been watching a lot of those, but so I don't want to butcher who actually said it, but it was one of them. And they said like, when you get a new machine in your shop, um, you envision using it for all these purposes, or maybe even one specific or two purposes, right? And then, you know, fast forward three, four months, and then you're using it for a completely different purpose. And that really stuck with me, especially with this machine, because it's like so versatile. Um, I did get the, um, I did get the one degree bevel on mine. Um, and I think I'm going to get the flat one as well, because I do a lot of like segmented scale work. Um, I think that'll really help with my like scale game. But I mean, for right now, I want to, <clears throat> I want to use, utilize it to, to thin my blades and kind of blend my bevels um, and like, I don't know, I just feel like it would, I mean, I don't feel like I know everybody that has one is like, it has saved me a lot of hand sanding and that's the bane of everyone's existence. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care how, you know, peaceful you act like you're, you're, you are in your videos, uh, pickle, you hate it. We all hate it. <laughs> so don't, don't lie to me. Don't. Oh, goodness. Goodness. So, yeah, I think I think with that idea of, you know, you get a thing, you get a tool, you imagine using it in 50 different ways, and then you end up only using it in a couple. 
what I think that it comes down to is everything in your shop is you use whatever is the path of least resistance. That's right. So, I mean, if you have a dedicated tool for this thing, then you'll go to that tool specifically for that thing. And it's if it's already set up, if it's, you know, one order of operation, you know, away from being used, like you don't have to like take the base from this part of your shop and take the tool from that thing and put it to this thing. Like having those dedicated tools that is specifically for, you know, whatever it's supposed to do and having it ready to go at all time just makes life so much better. Yeah, that's right. That is 100% right. And isn't it Brian House himself that says, uh, buy once, cry once? Absolutely, all the time. Well, I'll tell you, when I first started, I did not want to put too much money into this because I was like, eh, maybe I'll suck, right? So I got like an Amazon freaking, I got a couple things from Amazon, but I got an Amazon um, table saw. I got an Amazon, um, what's it called? Um, Oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, I cook for a living. Um, I got an it's Amazon right. um, bandsaw. Okay. And I got an Amazon drill press. Okay. Two of those things that I just mentioned, besides the drill press, broke immediately. Like, mm -hmm. and when I say immediately, I mean if there was a ninth of a horsepower motor, it was in that table saw. <laughs> I swear. You know what oh it would God. cut for me? You know what it would cut? It would cut G10. Oh, my God. And that's it. Like a, a thin, like, 3 16th G10. Any wood that it would touch, it would just stop. It was oh so bad. And I wasted a lot of money on that. So, And they don't send measurements and things like that. It's straight out of China. You know, it's like right. wish.com right. stuff. So, you know, buy, buy once, cry once. I Brian House, I'm with you. Because now Absolutely. I have my, my Ameribraid sand, like my Ameribraid 2x72, which I freaking love. Um, you know, I have every attachment in the world. Those guys have been very good to me. I've met them multiple times. Um, they actually just gave me a shout out last week or the week before because um, they happened to be down at the convention center here in Las Vegas for uh, SEMA, uh, the SEMA convention. And we have three restaurants in, in uh, the convention center. And I happened to be there. And I'm like, you know what? You guys want some food? So I, I dropped them off some food. Um, and they were very grateful. Very nice, very nice. So you're talking about using the Vander Sander for your segmented scales. I'm looking at your Instagram right now, and we talked about it a little bit at Blade Show about how you are embedding food into epoxy and using that into your scales. Yeah. I mean, tell tell me all about that situation. What what brought you down that path? You know, I feel like that is a dead end road um, to, really? to a certain point. Yeah, it just depends really? on the spices, but like. You know, those spices are very, um, what do I, how do I say this? Aside from things like star anise and like black peppercorn, every other spice that I've used is very like flowery and they're very inconsistent. And so it's really hard to stabilize something like that, something like that without burning it in the oven. Um, so, you know, you got, it's such a long process. You got to stabilize it and then you have to set it in the raisin and then you got to resin and then you got to, you know, suck all the air out of it and, and, you know, in the chamber and, I actually stopped. I, I actually stopped doing that, um, you know, a few, a couple months back, and now I'm just doing resin as my kind of insert in my segments. Okay. Um, All right. I mean, as you can see, if you look at like some, like probably the past year, I've switched from using spices um, to that, and it's just because you know, I mean, I get it. Like iPhone, once they make you an iPhone, they don't give a shit. Drop it, crack it, you know. But I'm not like iPhone. If you drop your, if you drop your, you know 
your handle or your, your knife obviously and it like hits on the handle in the wrong spot in the wrong spot in the resin or if there's a void in one of those peppercorns and the whole thing cracks i'm gonna feel like i put together a shitty knife maybe mm. i didn't maybe i didn't but if there's that little void in there i feel like that was a weak spot and that's something that i could have avoided by not even allowing it i mean i made i shit you not i made a freaking if you scroll down far enough I made a confectioner's sugar handle for a pastry chef ah. with with gold leaf in it. There Goodness. was there was gold leaf, there was candy, there was like all these things and you know she was my pastry chef for many years and I I love and respect her and I'm like whatever you want Vivian, I got you and you know I and when I handed it to her it's gorgeous, it's beautiful but I'm like please don't drop it. <laughs> I gave her the whole iPhone story. I'm like do not drop it. I I just I'll feel terrible. Just know that this is almost a commodity like you know show knife gotcha so i appreciate the fact that you're thinking because doing something crazy like that that is a really cool show-stopping piece you know head turner you know especially if you are a chef that specifically works with xyz thing to have that into your handle that just kind of lends a lens a little bit more connection to the to the blade itself mm -hmm. but i truly appreciate that you're thinking about practicality like is this thing still going to be in this condition X amount of years down the road? That's, I mean, that's switching to think about longevity over flash is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just maturity right there. Well, that's just the chef in me, to be honest. I mean, a lot of the knives that I finish, I, I usually send a message and I say, your knife is done, but I want to use it for a week and then I'll deliver it to you. I like, I, I, first of all, I deliver it to their door, to their restaurant, whatever here in town, if I'm in town. Um, and second of all, I want to make sure that it, it works. So all the cooking videos that you see uh, that I do post, or I should say stories because I don't keep them usually permanent, <clears throat> but all the cooking videos are with other people's knives that I've made, and I'm just testing them out, taking apart a chicken, you know, skinning a salmon, things like that. I just want to make sure that, that they perform. Gotcha, gotcha, for sure. Speaking of the per performance of your knives, obviously being a chef, you do culinary knives. What was it specifically that when you got into culinary knives that you wanted to change or you wanted to see different in your knives? You know what? Uh, this kind of goes back to the whole Andreas Kalani and, um, you know, even, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Neil Kamamura. Um, you know, they, they just make like crazy shapes, you know? Sure. Like they, they're just like, oh, there's just like a fish hook in my knife. Like what? So I just thought that was the coolest thing. Like, you know, he, there's so much influence from Andreas Kalani that I actually see in uh, Neil Warren's knives. Um, I, I feel, and he actually admitted that to me as well. He, or not admitted, like it was a, a secret, but um, it was pretty obvious and, and he likes his handles as well. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I was striving for. But I mean, you know, just like anything, I mean, I'm sure like your first couple knives, everybody's first couple knives, like you're experimenting with different things. Um, I would say that the most consistent um, is, you know, I got to say like Jeff Fader, like what he's doing is like, he's just popping them out. Like they're all the same. They're all, you know, they're all made by him. They're all finished, I should say by him. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's doing the right thing. They all look the same. Like, and that's kind of where we all want to be. You know, like that's, that's, that's the big guy. That's the, the big show, you know? It is. That is, that is definitely the, the big show for sure. Um, so getting on to speaking of your culinary knives, you have a bunch of orders for Christmas just in time for your Achilles tendons to go out from under you. Oh, God. So how in the world, first of all, how many Christmas orders do you have left and how in the world or do you think you're going to be able to get them done? 
So I've I have twenty seven knives that I have to deliver by Christmas. Oh they are, my god! They are all profiled. They you know the scales not all removed from all of them, but they are all hardened. They are all straight as an arrow. I have to just you know I I say it so lightly, right? I have to just bevel them, uh, you know, polish. <laughs> I have to sand them down, polish them, and sharpen them, uh, and then put handles on. Like none of that's done, and I would then have two weeks to get it to people if I'm shipping it, and three weeks to get it to people if I'm delivering it. Um, so it's, it's really like weighing on me right now. It's, it's killing me, but I do have a lot of people that are very understanding and I've reached out to everybody and I, you know, I told them, look, I mean, this is obviously was not in my scope when I took the order. I'll happily give you all your money back. Um, and, and not one person has asked for that. They are, are completely understanding, but it does suck. I mean, if I put myself in their shoes, um, and you know, you're, 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 you're shelling out the, the money to get your loved one or, you know, whatever your husband is a chef or a cook and you know, want to get him something nice. And now all of a sudden the guy's like, Hey, uh, emergency surgery, sorry, it might be done by December, but if not January, February, like that's a mm. kind of a shitty thing to hear. Uh, you don't want to give somebody an IOU for Christmas. <laughs> no, a thousand percent. And that's, that's kind of the situation that, I mean, it's it's an emergency it's it's not going to happen on a regular basis but some people can be you know less than understanding have yeah. you ever had a customer that you have do you have any like horror story customer stories in the knife world uh the only horror stories are the things happening in my head okay you know it's like you know you hand it over and it's like you give them a piece of you you know it's like it means so much more to you than it does to them no matter what mm. they think and, you know, especially too, because like, I'm a chef and I'm extremely humbled to be able to make a knife for a chef. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I were to put myself in someone else's shoes and it's like, uh, you know, Hey, you know, I worked with, you know, you know, um, you know, Mark or whatever, whatever his name. And, I, and we worked together for a number of years and I just, you know, the guy was a great guy. And now I see that he's making knives. Hell yeah. I won one of his knives. Like, that's why. I'm able to get as much business as I have because there's there's some sentiment to that and you know mm. I've 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 been the I've been running kitchens now for a long time and a lot of these guys buying my knives were either my sous chef or their fellow executive chefs or their you know fellow culinary directors from other companies because they've also you know risen to the in their ranks and they just want to give me the the business and they want to support me and I you know I think that's really great I mean I, so I belong to two communities right now so that's you know I remember who told me it might have been um, it might have been you that said um, you know a lot of our followers or I say ours but I can't really include myself but a lot of knife makers followers are fellow knife makers right and it's kind of hard to do a live because it's like hey man I'm showing you what you do <laughs> so yeah. it's like you know yeah. we are all interested and aside yeah. from me buying a, you know a, a knife from you know every maker that helped me doing a maker set there's really not a lot of like you know like business that we're getting from each other so let me put you in a scenario okay so Go. you are on the top of a, a you know crazy deep cliff and then one and there's two bodies that are that are over on the side over the edge of the cliff and you can only save one Oh in your God. right hand, you have the culinary world and <laughs> and cooking professionally. In the other hand, you have knife making. Which one are you saving? You can't save both. My um, uh, this is a very easy answer. My um, mentor Michelle, we sat down and had breakfast one time, and he told me, and I'll never forget. He goes, "You can cheat on your wife, but never cheat on your career." Mm. So I mean, I've put so much into being a chef. 
Um, obviously, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> but um, but I would never cheat on my career. You know, I mean, this this knife making thing is great, and it's something. It's a dream that I've always wanted to do. And you know, obviously, I'll still do this. And and I think it'll be a retirement plan for me. Um, I, I plan on retiring when I'm 50. Um, I, and then I'll, I'll just do knives from that point on. Um, but yeah, I, I can't cheat on my career. I've put way too much time into it, time and effort and, and just, um, you know, the, the respect and what, what comes with it. It's just such a, uh, it's, it, it gives back as long as you, what you give into it, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. And, um, yeah, I've really appreciated this conversation with you, man. Um, yeah. So Todd, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, Todd Harrington eight um, zero for my for my Instagram, um, Todd Harrington on Facebook, and thblades.com. You guys all know he's got plenty of open books. Like he can get a knife ready for Christmas for you if all you have to do is just give him a call, send him a message, right? You you can make that happen, right? <laughs> oh man, what, what year? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys all for listening. Guys, go over, check out TH Blades, Todd Harrington. We appreciate you all. Have a great rest of your working week. Thanks, guys. See ya.